Welcome to the podcast of New Covenant Church in Albuquerque, where we focus on the Bible, faith, and life issues. We hope this podcast will be helpful to you on your faith journey. Now, here's our message. It's Christmas Eve. Wonderful. So happy. Thank you, Jesus. Man, we've been waiting for this all year. And it will not disappoint. Well, we've titled this message Lighting the World, and you can imagine where we're going with this. I found a little poem I'd like to read to you. It's by Kelly Roper, and it's the Christmas Tree Light Stringer Lament. I strung the lights on the tree and gingerly plugged them in. That's when I noticed a bulb was out and my troubles did begin. I found, box, I found box of square bulbs in my top workshop drawer. I quickly changed the bulb, but then out went two more. I got more replacements and carefully plugged them in. Then I gathered all the burnt out bulbs and tossed them into the trash bin. As I walked back to the tree, the whole string thing started to blink. Now this wasn't a twinkle light set, and my stomach began to sink. Suddenly, I heard a sizzle, and then I heard a pop. Then everything went silent, and the whole darn string just died. Not a single bulb remained. So, the tree We'll just have to stay in the dark this year because this light stringer just quit. You ever feel like that with lights, Christmas lights? Oh, it's going to be easy. And then it turns into Clark W. Griswold. But Jesus came to light the world, didn't he? There was an article written by Brian Murray speaking about the Christmas lights and community building in America. Today it's estimated that more than 150 million light sets are sold in America every year. 150 million light sets every single year. And in more than 80 million homes that are decorated with holiday lights. But you'd think this was something that went on in America for a long time, but actually it's fairly recent. The first person known to decorate a tree and light a tree was a fellow who was a Harvard professor by the name of Charles Fullen. And he decorated an evergreen tree with candles. And he was believed in 1832 to be the first person to light a tree in this country. But trees were expensive, and so, you know, as it caught on, it was, it was harder to adapt. And so what happened is it, later on in New York City, in, in um, Washington's market, in 1851, was the first Christmas tree yard. They had finally become so popularized, they were able to drive down the price, and it became to catch fire, <laughs> literally. Uh, they tried to figure out ways to take care of all of the candles and, and attach them to the trees. But as you know, 
If you have real trees in your house, you're thinking just a tiny little bulb is going to ignite this thing into kindling in moments. So they had some fires. And what put out the candle, uh, what the candle tradition was this. A couple of insurance companies came along and they said, uh-oh, we're going to add into your policies here. If your house is caught on fire by a Christmas tree, it will not be covered. And that sort of shut that down. But fortunately, it was at that time later on in 1856. <clears throat> no, excuse me. I got that wrong. 1882, that uh, Thomas and Edison and Edward Johnson introduced the first strand of electric lights. That, but it was still too expensive. It was about $12 at that state. But in that day, that was like $250 for a strand of lights. And it wasn't until 1920s that it became affordable for everybody. But then everybody began to do it. And it comes from all different backgrounds, all different sources adapted by Christians. When we think of the light, what do we think of? We think of the Lord Jesus. But light is important as it relates to darkness. Darkness is not a real thing. Darkness, by definition, is partial or total absence of light. It's total absence of light. But light comes in and it shines and reveals what we can see and what is around us. Genesis 1, verse 1 through 3 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. You see, without light... The world was in darkness. That's just a fact. Without Jesus, the world is in spiritual darkness. You see, without light, humanity, no one would be able to experience the creative beauty of God's creation if it lay in darkness. Light revealed the glory of His creation. And without Jesus, we would never understand or experience the glory of God's love in this life. Jesus shines his light into the human experience, and those that follow that light see a new world full of hope and promises. And that's, that's why we're here. He said, I am the light of the world. Lord, as we consider this on this wonderful evening, where we gather together and we're excited about tomorrow morning. But we're, Lord, we're so thankful of what this night means to us because it commemorates your birth. Lord, we pray that even as we celebrate you, even as we enjoy uh, friends and family and company, Lord, that you would be lighted again in our lights and our hearts born new into us, Lord, continually creating us into your image. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a sign in the night sky. In my house growing up, we had a certain tradition. 
basically it was, I was 10 years younger than the youngest next to me. I was like sort of the baby cousin. And my older siblings loved to torture me. That's why I pay them back now. More about that later. Now, we would always celebrate Christmas on Christmas Eve. Christmas morning, it was not all of a sudden Santa Claus had come and we'd been slept overnight and we blew it. The tradition with my older siblings is they would take me out in the car after a, a Christmas Eve service and we would go hunt for Rudolph. I have to say, we never found him. But I had a suspicion that he was out there, but I wondered if it was also these radio towers that had red beeping lights on them because we seemed to go from one to another. We saw him all over the place. And by the time we got back to the house, my dad and my mom would be on the porch and they're like, oh, Dave, you just missed him. He was so looking forward to seeing you. I'm like, this happens every year. I'm out there looking for stuff in the sky. Next year, I'm staying home. They would show you, you know, that treasured cookie that had, you know, a bite out of it. You're like, how do, how do I do this to myself? But it was searching for a light in the sky and a light of a promise. This year, December 21st, there was the occurrence of Saturn and Jupiter coming in close proximity to each other, closer than they had reaching back all the way to the 13th century. Now, they cross paths about every 20 years, but this was the closest ever. And so, for some, this has become an explanation for, throughout the centuries, the explanation for the Christmas star, okay, in Bethlehem. That was the explanation. But it really doesn't add up. In fact, there's a great book out there by Dr. Colin McCole, Nicole. It's called The Great Christ Comet. And it reveals the true, far, um, true star of Bethlehem. It's probably a comet. And you can read all the tedious details. I'll just simply say this guy has done his work. What doesn't matter that much is exactly what it was, but what it did. It was a sign in the night sky, and it came by light, and it lit in the night. It lit in the darkness. That's one of the beautiful things about stars, comets, planets, is they light up the night sky, don't they? They're reflective of the source of light. Interesting prophecy in the book of Numbers, chapter 24, I'd like to read this to you. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. Speeding up to the Christmas event. This was sometime up to six months after Jesus' birth. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
These magi were very stately individuals. They were people who were known as holy men within their country. They were soothsayers. They were interpreters of dreams. They cared about the the world beyond. And many of them, most of them, were very good astrologers. So they had noticed something different in the skies. And I don't know how they learned this, but somehow they got information that this would be a king. Now, when it says Jesus, born in Bethlehem, okay, it says that he was born king of the Jews. It didn't say he was born and would become the king of the Jews. It states clearly in the language that he was born the king of the Jews. Not to become later, but born the king of the Jews. And a light from heaven was a sign in the sky. That's important because if you're paying attention If you're concerned about God, if you're concerned about his light, God has plenty of opportunities and signs for anyone who is looking. Well, well, they weren't Jewish. Didn't matter. They were looking. They were someone who was able to pay attention to what was going on. Here's the idea. Find truth where you get it but always follow the light. Always follow the, the light because the light sheds knowledge and illumination upon truth, okay? Now, <clears throat> this was not only him being a, a sign in the night sky, but we find that he is the very source, the source that is the light of the world. In Isaiah, An old prophecy was foretold about him. He said in Isaiah 9, 2, The people walked in darkness, have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. This becomes even more clear when we hear the words of Jesus. He said, In him was life. And the life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overtake it. John, in speaking about him and reflecting upon the revelation from Jesus, he said, he came into the world, and he was life, and he was the light of all mankind. You see, there is a light that is physical. It's important when you walk into a room especially if you haven't been in that room for a while, to make sure you turn on the light before you walk around. You can get some very damaged shins. Just by experience, I can let you know that. But light came from God himself. But he says about Jesus, he is the light that invades the human experience. He is the light that sheds truth upon humanity and brings hope. You see, that's what he says here. Light shines into darkness, but listen, this is what it means. Light overcomes as it invades darkness. It's never the other way around. The darkness does not invade the light. Darkness cannot dim light. Even though there may be one, depending upon how bright that light is, it invades the darkness, and the darkness does not take it over. And that's the principle that he's saying. 
The world may be in spiritual darkness, but Jesus said, it's not going to overrun me. It's not going to overwhelm me. I am invading this space with my light for the hope for humanity. John 12, verse 46 said, I have come into the world as a light, and so, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He said, if you believe in him, you don't have to stay in darkness. If you felt like you were in spiritual darkness, groping around, not knowing who God is, not having a place to understand, no connection with God, he says, if you believe in me and you trust in me, you don't have to stay in that darkness. Why? Because you're looking to the light. John 8, verse 12, he says, when Jesus spoke to the people, he said, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. Whoever follows me. You see, there's a progression. Light comes in, and light gets your attention, doesn't it? Especially when you've been in a very dark place. Um, I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> light is very important to me. I don't know that I could li ever live in the Pacific Northwest. I like the green, I like the, the rain, but man, do I need the sunshine. It's very important. So think about a light coming into a dark place but all of a sudden, it says, trust me. What that means is, in order to trust and believe in that light, you have to pay attention. And the light gets our attention. And then the light beckons us and says, follow me and follow me out. What did the psalmist say? Thy word is a lamp into my path. Your word is a, a lamp into my feet and a light into my path. You see, God leads people out of and brightens the darkness. But it's not, that's not the whole story. Because he said he came to give his life a ransom for many. He came in a lowly manger, born to a young couple who were very inexperienced and said, I am the light of the world and I am going to lead this world to light but there's something that happens. We find out that light begets light, okay? Just like humans have children, light begets and has light. The more, the brighter. Read an article earlier, some time ago, in Electric Choice magazine. And according to Pew Research, Approximately 90% of Americans celebrate Christmas, and approximately 105 million households in the United States celebrate the holiday. That's a lot of folks, isn't it? Now, not everybody that celebrates Christmas celebrates with lights in the U.S., but say every house decorated with lights this holiday season, listen, here's what it would cost the United States per day. I don't even want to tell you how much it would cost over the 45-day period that we put lights up. But just conservative estimate, it would cost 
the U.S., $3,780,000,000 a day. That's more than twice <laughs> that is needed for the countries around the world, like Belarus, Ecuador, Cuba. We are pretty committed to these lights, aren't we? We're committed to more lights. In fact, there's a television show out during the holiday season, and it's like um, light wars, Christmas light wars. And so people build these elaborate sets and, and, you know, just have to take out loans just to pay their electric bill. And their feet, it's a phenomenal to watch. It's amazing. But we're willing to put that much effort into it. Now, why is that? Because one single light is okay. But we come to find out that many lights are very dynamic, aren't they? A lot of lights are good. The more, the better. Let's try to shut down the power grid with all of our lights. There's something beautiful about that, isn't there? There's poetry. There's artis artistic expression. And there's beauty. And we love to gather around lights. How many of you around Albuquerque travel around to the cool parts of town that have really good lights? We used to do that with our kids. We'd load up uh, a couple of days before Christmas and go out, and it was just so much fun. And uh, because there's something that we're drawn to, okay? John chapter 12, verse 36. Listen to these words of Jesus. Believe in the light while you have the light, so that you may become children of the light, that you might become children of the light. That means it's light begets light. You're joining a strand. You may not seem like a lot by yourself, but the way that he set this up is that it's a family, it's a community. And so like in this room here, all of you together, all shapes, sizes, colors, wardrobe, choice, hairstyle choice, or not, there is a beauty because God is the one who set up those strands. He set up those families so that we would become children of light. That's important, don't you think? Don't you see that? It's kind of what we're called to do. We point to Jesus because he is the original. He is the pure light. He is the light. But he has shown his light upon us. And if you believe him and you follow him, we're told that what that means is, is that now you become a child of light, a light bearer, and you become a part of God's strand in this world. And he is showing something beautiful through his people. Not just the physical lights. I'd like to read to you Luke chapter 8, verse 16. It takes a commitment. No one lights a lamp and hides it in a clay jar or puts it under a bed. Instead, they put it on a stand so that those who come in can see the light. It's not very, doesn't mean very much if all of your lights are sitting in a box in the garage. 
right? But God meant it to be shown so that people can see it. Because God's doing something beautiful in, in, his, in his followers. God's doing something beautiful and earth-changing in the lives of his people. So don't hide it. Whatever you do this Christmas season, I keep forgetting to tell people, Merry Christmas. I used to be the most Merry Christmas guy ever. Merry Christmas! Ho, 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 ho. Added too much. But now is, you can barely get Happy Holidays. Remember, light shines best when it's exposed to darkness. The true light of Christmas, Deborah Allen Belka, I'll start wrapping us up with this poem. The true light of the season isn't wrapped around our trees. The true light of the season isn't hanging from our eaves. The true light of the season isn't put up only once a year. The true light of the season isn't part of our Christmas gear. The true light of the season never burns out or blows a fuse. The true light of the season isn't a holiday ruse. The true light of the season cannot put away or be stored, for the true light of the season is the babe, the Christ, our Lord. Jesus is the world's light in all darkness. He came to diffuse and love and hope and peace and joy into your life. And he wants to infuse. What we do is a tradition, but it should mean more than just a tradition. It's a time to stop everything and focus in on this mission that God set out on in the life of his son, Jesus. It's a big claim to say that you're the light of the world. Either it's true or it's a lie. But if you've experienced it, if you've seen it, if it's shown its light into dark places and brought you out of darkness into hope, you've known it and experienced it. And that's what we're called to do tonight. Kids, when you're at home and you see the lights on the Christmas tree, I don't know what you guys do, but when I was so happy when the Christmas tree was out because I would crawl underneath the Christmas tree and look up at the lights and just stare. And eventually, I had coaxed my mom into letting me sleep in there with my head under the tree. I couldn't fit my whole body, but I got my sleeping bag, bag out that was like 10 days before Christmas. It was phenomenal. I just wanted to be around it because it was so beautiful. There are temptations to separate, to be away from, not connect to. And it's hard right now. We're all wearing masks. We're social distancing. We don't want to get anybody sick. We don't want anybody to get hurt, or we don't want anybody to die. We want to be good citizens. But we can still be connected. 
We can still be a part of that family, and we can be a part of that strand, and we can shine together however, however able we are, and tonight we do. I'll finish up with a verse that is just a a prophecy, but so pure and perfect. I pray that it stays in your heart tonight. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and the peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from the time on and forever, and the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. We are living recipients of that promise. Enjoy each other. Enjoy Jesus. And put another bulb on the strand. Find one out of the closet and put one more up just as a reminder that he's the one that started all of this. He's going to be the one that does it in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for these families who are with us online and here in the sanctuary at New Covenant. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would be powerfully upon this season, that there would be unity at home, that light would be shed as joy and mirth and love is exchanged in honor of you. We truly honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. This concludes today's message. We thank you so much for listening. We'd love for you to connect with us. You can do that at our website, nccabq.org. From there, you can submit any questions, feedback, and your prayer requests. nccabq.org is also where you can learn more about New Covenant Church. Subscribe to our podcast and newsletters, browse our online message archive, and even tune in and watch the stream of each weekly message. We hope you'll join us. So, until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God smile on you and gift you. May God look you full in the face and make you prosper. Have a great week.